This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to a special Saturday edition of Coffee House Shots. I'm Kate Andrews and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and Katie Balls. It's been a big 24 hours for Boris Johnson. First, we got his resignation honours list. We thought that would be the big news of yesterday, but it wasn't. Uh, The former prime minister has now resigned. Katie, talk us through it. So this all comes back to the privileges report, uh, which ultimately uh, was was what stopped quite a few MPs from backing Boris Johnson, if you think in the autumn, uh, when we had the second leadership contest of 2022. The investigation into whether or not Boris Johnson misled Parliament on COVID restrictions and whether he had uh, paid enough attention to them. And if, uh, of course, the committee came back and found that he had intentionally misled Parliament um, and then gave him a punishment of, of 10 days or more, that could open him to recall petition. And then this could lead to a by-election in the city of Uxbridge. And that majority is not looking so strong, particularly in a by-election where you get a lot of anti-Tory voting, so he could lose the seat. Boris Johnson yesterday received the draft report of the Privileges Committee and the reports and the understanding from those close to it is that the punishment is over 10 days. So he put out a statement late on Friday saying that he is quitting as an MP for now and going into his reasons and saying that he will no longer be the MP for Uxbridge. And the letter says a bit more than that. It's published in Phil on the Spectator website and was quickly shared um, the Spectator link amongst the Tory Watts. Tory MPs on the WhatsApp group, um, which divided opinion with lots of people praising Boris Johnson and others uh, thinking quite the opposite, but those people were staying quiet. And I think it raises two questions. The first is, um, what does Boris Johnson plan to do in the sense he says, for now, the theory is he could go for mid-Bedfordshire because if we remember from yesterday's podcast, Nadine Doris also quit as an MP yesterday, saying she couldn't go into the reason, but there was a reason she made that decision today. So could you see Boris Johnson potentially say, why don't I go as a candidate there? Um, it's No one has denied this and Boris Johnson's team are not commenting, but it is quite complicated for a few reasons. First, would he want to go back so quickly? And and secondly, um, that would rely on Rishi Sunak wanting Boris Johnson as a candidate and CCHQ doing that. Um, would they feel so pressured they had to do? Secondly, if you look at the statement, Boris Johnson has come out swinging against Rishi Sunak and his leadership, effectively saying that the party has lost momentum, uh, saying the tax burden is too high, uh, asking why uh, they're not doing enough in animal welfare. I think that refers to the kept animal bill that has been um, ultimately delayed for the foreseeable. Um, And uh, also EU retained law is is hinted at. So you can start to see the case being made against Rishi Sunak, which is that he is not um, true enough to Brexit and he's not true enough to Boris Johnson's legacy. Uh, Fraser, if we look at that letter that Boris Johnson put out as his resignation statement, as Katie says, there's quite a lot in there. He accuses the Privileges Committee of mounting a witch hunt. Uh, He says they're determined to drive him out of Parliament. I suppose the follow on from that is at the moment they've been successful. Um, He calls it the very definition of a kangaroo court. We should note that the majority of people who sit on the Privileges Committee are Conservative MPs. But the Prime Minister clearly feels that there has been a stitch up here. 
Yes, and I'm afraid to say that he's right. There has been a stitch-up. Where is the evidence that he misled the House of Commons or that he lied to the House of Commons? That was a question they had to look at. And we've had masses of reports here, one chaired by Sue Gray, who, let's not forget, is now off to be Keir Starmer's chief of staff, um, suggesting where her um, um, loyalties might lie. And then, secondly, you've had the, the Privileges Committee investigation itself, which succeeded in producing absolutely no evidence that he lied to Parliament. Now, this isn't to say that Boris Johnson doesn't deserve to be kicked out. I think he does. I think what he did in lockdown was utterly unforgivable. I think the way that he sent the police after people, uh, needlessly, after people uh, who were doing leading everyday lives where his own aides were having the life of Riley. All of this is just beyond unforgivable. But So I don't want this to sound as if I think he was robbed. But on this technicality, there is no evidence that he lied to the House of Commons. And to suggest otherwise, I think, is a miscarriage of justice. So I would have preferred this had he been allowed to stay and left to his own Uxbridge voters to decide whether he'd stay in Parliament or not. My suspicion is that they would have kicked him out, but that would have been a democratic end to his Westminster foray. As things stand, he is, like Margaret Thatcher, undefeated. Somebody who won a massive election in, in 2019, somebody who was kicked out of office effectively by MPs, and somebody who has been handed out to Parliament by MPs. I should add one caveat to that. The MPs didn't kick him out of Parliament. If it is the case, as we all suspect, that um, the suspension will be 10 days or more, under the rules that would lead him open to a, a, kind of a challenge from his constituency and open the door to a by-election he'd probably lose. So he has jumped in anticipation of being pushed by the voters. My regret here is that the voters were not given the chance to pass a verdict on Boris Johnson. I think that would be richly deserved, especially given how many of those voters he locked up needlessly during the lockdowns. But that is an important point, isn't it, Fraser, that um, the Uxbridge voters could have had the opportunity to have their say. It's actually Boris Johnson who's decided they're not going to, as he has so immediately stepped down. Yes, that's right. Um, and of course, he could have said to the committee, OK, I'll brazen this out. And I'll, the thing is, there's no prizes for guessing what would have happened. Any MP who pretty much is, is found against for 10 day suspension or more and is open to recall can expect to lose their seat. That's the way it goes. So that's why I think the, um, the Johnson and Thatcher analogy doesn't quite stand. Uh, Johnson jumped in anticipation of a by-election that he thought he was going to lose. Um, and, and, but both of them, of course, their fate was ultimately decided by MPs rather than the people. And that, of course, is the dichotomy of Boris Johnson. His constituency has always been in the country. He's always been pretty much hated in Westminster. Even before he became prime minister, he had a massive number of Tory MPs who loathed him on a personal basis, but they wanted to get him in because they thought he had this this X factor, this kind of mystic bond with the voters that nobody else could get. And let's remember right now, the Tory party has never got back to the rating in the opinion polls where it was at under Boris Johnson. Even in the lowest of Boris days, the Tory polling was higher than it is now. And there are a lot of Tories who will make that point. Um, I, I think the bigger question for the Tories, of course, is whether Johnson's treatment will reopen the Tory wars which Rishi Sunak successfully brought to a close. I always felt there that was not a battle won by Sunak, a battle that was adjourned by the other parties. And I wonder if that battle is now going to be resumed. 
Katie Boris Johnson is one of those conservatives happy to talk about the opinion polls. He says in his letter that when he left office, the conservative party was trailing labor by uh, just a few points. Uh, and now they're doing so by an average of 16 points. He also dives into public policy. He's talking about cutting taxes and delivering the benefits of Brexit. I mean, we could be back in 2019. You say that um, jumping to a different seat has its own uh, hurdles and barriers for Boris Johnson, but it does seem like this is not going to be the last that we hear from him. Yes, it's quite clear Boris Johnson wants to make noise and is going to keep doing so. Um, I, I mean, I think there's a few things on this. Clearly, to Fraser's point, uh, Boris Johnson, um, we've seen in all his interventions, wants us to remember him as the leader who was having just a bit of a blip um, manufactured largely by the media, um, by some MPs who lost their minds for a little while, did something mad, and then the party um, failed. And I, I mean, I've had senior Tory MPs say to me that they just think Boris Johnson might want a Labour government because it would make the point. If, if it can't be him, if it's Rishi Sunak, perhaps that is what he wants, because at that point, you would really make that point in the legacy. And then when we go for now, at least, in terms of his return, Boris Johnson could return after Rishi Sunak, um, you know, burned the Tory party, led them to failure, saying, well, think back to that party gate and think back to the cake and was it really worth it? And that's very much what you see in all the things, the point that um, polling and so forth. And of course, as Fraser says, the polling is much worse. We have had quite a few things happen in that time. And of course, the the point when it really changed was the Liz Trust, not so many budget. Um, Rishi Sudet has not recovered it to a Boris Johnson level. The, The tricky thing is we'll never quite know if if that is uh, a Liz Truss hangover, is, is it that uh, Rishi Sunak does not have that connection to 2019 voters, but it does allow Boris Johnson to have that space where he can, you know, put forward a certain narrative that really does play to part the party. Um, I think that if you if you look, at, I suppose, at the, the immediacy of, of, of what he says, so for example, the tax burden. Now, it's a very Boris Johnson statement because you look at some of those things and, you, and of course, Various of the things he's saying he would like to see changed, he um, did preside over when he was Prime Minister himself. He could have done something about it. <laughs> Maybe Boris Johnson's view as Rishi Sunak as Chancellor effectively stopped him from ever having the low-tax vision he wanted to do. But he was in charge. You know, he was Prime Minister for a longer time than Rishi Sunak has currently been Prime Minister. And I think there's a question as to whether the statement, which is dominating all the news, will dominate the news this entire weekend and probably most of next week, has the impact it would have had when Boris Johnson was in a stronger position in the sense that it's definitely damaging to Rishi Sunak. Um, Yes, he may now have a situation where Boris Johnson is not in the House of Commons, but Boris Johnson was left, as Fraser said, uh, a politician who is undefeated, who can say he left on his terms, it was a witch hunt, and then perhaps take up a weekly column. He, or he can you know, have these interventions. And he's he clearly has a, a group of MPs. He's almost sent the signal to them that uh, he is unhappy with Rishi Sunak. Um, they, they can now also show their unhappiness. And, and several of this group have been. If you think about the, the core group, many of whom are also on the resignation honours list. You have... Andrea Jenkins, Simon Clark. These are the figures on the WhatsApp groups last night and, and on social media who are coming out and, you know, saying uh, Boris Johnson has a point in what he's saying. Uh, the question is, how contained is it? So to Fraser's point, are we returning now to Tory wars? I think it says something that I wonder in a different time, we would not be having a conversation about, is this going to reopen Tory wars as 
can Rishi Sunak cling on? If you think about how up and down politics has been, you know, is there now going to be a move against Rishi Sunak? And that doesn't seem to be where it's gone with Nadine Doris and Boris Johnson going. But where I think it has uh, got to is speaking to MPs in the middle of the party last night and so forth, just a sense of dread that um, you had a situation yesterday where Labour did quite a significant um, change to one of their policies following Tory attacks, the 28 billion on green spending. And we've ended the day where that's not going to be any near, near the early pages of a newspaper. Um, it is back to Tories slinging mud at one another um, when you have all these really serious issues and can can you get the focus back? Um, it is a fairly small number so far who are publicly criticising Rishi Sunak. Um, but that Boris Johnson has tapped into something and therefore how does that manifest itself in, in the in the coming weeks and um, it may be that we see that as we saw with the Windsor framework it's a fairly small group it's the people we already know are pretty unhappy such as Priti Patel um Nadine Doris who will no longer be a Tory MP um if you think about all these people who vote against the Windsor framework Jonathan Gullis but does it spread and then make it much harder to govern and I think Rishi Sunak will need to, after a trip, which I think number 10 quite happy with in terms of Washington, um, some agreements, his speech to the Northern Research Group, can you now get to the point where people focus again? Um, there's definitely a lot of anger speaking to some MPs about what Boris Johnson has done. I had one figure who backed Boris Johnson the first time around to me say, to quit <laughs> um, a seat to spark an immediate by-election, particularly in a seat like that, is close to a defection. Fraser, this has been a problem for Boris Johnson for a while now, hasn't it? Because if, if we go back to the leadership elections last summer, um, you had Boris Johnson stepping off a plane, waving to his audience, almost suggesting he was about to make his return. But it became obvious very quickly uh, that he didn't necessarily have the support that he once had. Yes, he had a lot of MPs who still valued his mandate, who still backed him personally, but were just so concerned that the party gate results would whip all this up again. They didn't want to see him leading the country when that happened. That has turned out to be roughly a correct calculation. Um, but it's part of the problem here as well that Boris Johnson doesn't show a lot of remorse. So I mean, when we read this letter, this is not a man who's sorry. This is not a man who thinks he's done just about anything wrong. Is that part of the reason we're not asking right now if, or yet if Rishi Sunak can cling on? Because realistically, Johnson is still not actually presenting like an alternative, especially given all that the country went through when he was leader. I think Boris Johnson's got a very strong public narrative. The media remains obsessed by him. He has still got this incredible power to bend national discussion towards him, whatever he's saying. As Anthony Scaramucci said of Donald Trump, the universe does tend to bend towards him. And he's got that power. Trump's got that power. But let's look in Parliament and see how much power he's got there. Let's look at how many people are really standing up and saying Boris was robbed, Boris should be the next leader. They are people who, by and large, whose careers are finished, who are out of the door. We even had this a few weeks ago, let's not forget. We had a sort of um, a Tory grassroots conference that was a proto-Boris Johnson grassroots supporters group. We had Pretty Patel there, but that was about it. I mean, you didn't really have Boris Johnson even showing up. So there is almost no serious Westminster support behind him. That's why this is not a parliamentary threat to um, Rishi Sunak. It's a greater threat for narrative, because anything Boris Johnson says will get people talking for days. Sunak doesn't have that same gravitas when it comes to setting the terms of conversation. I think that um, what we can see Boris Johnson doing is constructing this um, betrayal narrative. It was all going great if it wasn't for those pesky kids kind of thing. 
um, where he skips out everything that he did um, during lockdown. He skips out his own spendthrift habits, which forced up taxation. The high taxes were simply a reflection of his spending habits. Um, and by the way, none of his narrative really stands up to serious scrutiny. And nonetheless, it's one he, he'll come out with it. And we can expect him to talk, if he takes a newspaper column, that will be, for Sunak, the destabilizing factor. No newspaper would turn down a Boris Johnson column. If he uses that to bash Sunak week in, week out, creating this fiction over this Camelot, which Britain could have had were it not for the um, betrayal of the Tories, then that will be destabilizing and it will make the Tory chances at the next election even worse. Um, but then again, that would require a lot of effort. Now, I would posit another theory here, which people who don't like Boris Johnson don't really credit him with, which is laziness. I think that he has not really, he, he cannot be bothered to stay in Parliament. He cannot be bothered really to show up to these conferences. He can't be bothered to do anything other than give speeches for sort of random um, rubber billionaires. I mean, he hasn't really, he's got these great communication powers, a great gift, which he uses very, very seldom. So I'm not, I think he likes to be spoken of as um, a king over the water, the best prime minister we never had, the man who was robbed, etc. But I don't think he has got the political energy to actually be in there agitating. He's always been like to be in somewhere that people will raise a glass to. Um, and and I, you know, I, I speak here as somebody who backed his premiership, who believed that he was a success in City Hall, who believed that he could have been a great um, prime minister. And I stand here humbled and corrected by what actually happened. And it's a mistake that I'm not going to, to make again. Um, so I, I don't really think we can expect that much Boris activism, with the exception if he takes a column. It's very easy for him to, to mischief make, to throw, a, to throw stones at the Tory um, glass house. Um, all of that would be easy to do if he chooses to do it. But I don't think he has either the agenda or the backing to come up with anything resembling a serious challenge to Sunak, or even, um, a so let, let's say he, take, he takes Nadine Doris's seat, by the way, that is speculative, as she stood down to make her safe Tory seat uh, clearer for him, so he would, you know, so somehow stand down from Uxbridge saying, I can't stay in Parliament anymore, but re-emerge as a candidate for mid-Bedfordshire. Um, that is, again, it's so far-fetched that I can't see it being plausible. So I think we can see a noisy farewell from Boris Johnson. I hope he writes good memoirs, and I hope those memoirs address the fact as to why he started he entered with such good intentions and got such bad results. That would be a genuine public policy conundrum, and I think that's where his next public service lies. But I don't think it's going to be another Farage, because even Farage, I think, can't really be bothered to enter the fray on a political basis. Both of these gentlemen will be commentators, entertaining ones, I think, but not ones that I suspect will affect the political forces of Westminster. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Fraser. And thank you for listening.